Let us turn together in God's precious word for our scripture reading this morning. We're turning to the Gospel of John and to the chapter 15. The Gospel of John and the chapter 15. If you have been with us on the Lord's Day mornings, we have been looking through the Gospel of John at those claims of Christ, the I Ams of the Saviour. You can perhaps remember back to John chapter 6, and the Lord said there, I am the bread of life. And then in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. And in John chapter 10, I am the door. Also in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. In John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. And then in John chapter 14, we looked at the verse 6, where the Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, today we come to John chapter 15. It's the seventh I am in the Gospel of John. And as we come to read from the verse 1, you will see that the key is in the door. And you can see the I am in the very first verse of this chapter, John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean, Through the word which I have spoken unto you, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Amen. We land there at verse 12. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Could we turn together once again to John chapter 15? We have read together the first 12 verses of this chapter. 
As you will be aware, uh, my text of Scripture is found in the verse 1. But we draw to your attention not only the first verse, but also verse 5. And just to read those two verses, John 15 and the verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. And then verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. I am the true vine. Let's just unite our hearts together in a brief word of prayer. Our gracious and our eternal Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise Thee for Thy precious Word and even for the blessing that it is to each of our hearts. And as we would come to consider, O God, what is a familiar portion of Scripture to many of us, we pray that it might come with power and it might come with freshness to each and to every heart. Speak to us, O God, instruct us and teach us from out of thy precious word and glorify thy name in and through us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The saved soul enters into union with the Lord Jesus Christ. That moment when they come to salvation, when they're born again of the Holy Spirit, when they accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their own and personal Savior, they are united to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that bond is a very blessed thing. That secure, that eternal union that we have with the Savior. And that union is illustrated in God's Word in many different ways. It is illustrated in God's Word by the body, the body and its members. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the verse 12, he said, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And as we get saved, we become, as it were, members of the body. We are united to the body, and we're under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a picture of that blessed and harmonious union between the Lord and his people, the body and its members. But then also the bricks and the building. Do you think of how the Apostle Paul uses that very illustration about each brick or each stone coming together in union to form that building? And he said in Ephesians chapter 2 and the verse 21 concerning God's people and God's building, he said, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 
And you can see that blessed union of the building coming together and every believer being, as it were, like a brick in the building. And they're all fitly framed together there. Another illustration of that blessed union is the bride and the bridegroom. That illustration of the husband and the wife. And in Revelation chapter 21 and in the verse 9, it says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. The bride, the Lamb's wife. The Lord Jesus Christ is the great bridegroom. And every saved soul coming together to make up the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day there is going to be that great marriage supper of the Lamb. And that illustration of the husband and the wife and the closeness and that bond that they have is a wonderful illustration of the Lord and that union that every believer has in the Savior. But as you come with me to John chapter 15, you will see this other illustration that is given, and it is that of the vine and the branches. The vine and the branches, and that is another illustration of this special union between the Lord and this people. And John chapter 15 further develops the details of that union. Our main focus today together in this portion is to focus on the claim of the Lord Jesus Christ, this seventh uh, declaration from the Lord where he says, I am the true vine. We have been making indication to uh, the windows that are down each side of the church and those windows are bearing one of the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ and we have the window of John 15 and the verse 1, that third window down on my left-hand side, and that window that says, I am the true vine, is dedicated in memory of a little boy, Brian Frederick Weir, the son of Eddie and Laura, with us here this morning, esteemed members of our congregation. And that's the text of Scripture that I want us to consider together this morning. And firstly, It would teach us of the Lord's person, the Lord's person. Remember that all of these great claims in John's gospel have all been revealing to us the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as to who he really is and who he claims to be. Dr. Alan Kearns, preaching on the I Ams of Christ, said that each one of them is a declaration of his deity. Declarations of his deity. As we looked in Exodus chapter 3 and the verse 14, and the Lord revealed himself as the great I am. And so the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament, he takes up that very title and he says, I am. And he is revealing there his deity. He is showing to us his person. And with that claim before us this morning, he said, I am the true vine. The true vine. 
The people of Israel, they were very familiar with that illustration of the vine. In fact, over in the Old Testament, Israel was referred to as the vine. There in the 80th Psalm, we have an example of that. The Psalm 80 and the verse 8, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. And so the Lord delivering his people out of the bondage in Egypt, it has been illustrated here by saying, the Lord has brought a vine out of Egypt. And Israel were to be that vine. The Lord was planting them in the land of Canaan. Also in the Old Testament scriptures and the prophecy of Isaiah and the chapter 5, We have it stated in verse 7 of that chapter. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And so in the Old Testament, Israel was portrayed as the vine, the vine of the Lord. But in Isaiah 5 and the verse 2, it presents us with something of a problem And it says of that vine concerning Israel, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. There was the Lord speaking about his ancient people Israel. And the many blessings and benefits and the privileges that he bestowed upon them. He said, you were, you were my vineyard. And I planted there the choicest vine. And how he fenced it and took all of the stones out of it. And he gave it uh, every privilege that it would have in order to bring forth the grapes. But it brought forth wild grapes. And Israel being the vine... They failed. They failed to bring forth that fruit unto the Lord. We could compare the words in Jeremiah 2 and the verse 21. And the Lord said, Yet I had planted thee a noble vine, holy, a right seed. How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? And the Lord here, through the prophet Jeremiah, was rebuking his people that the Lord had given them that privilege and all of the blessings he bestowed upon them. And he says, rather than being the vine that would bring forth fruit to the glory of God, you've become a strange vine. And you've brought forth wild grapes. And so when you see these New Testament references You can understand that Israel, the Jew, would have been so familiar, so familiar with this illustration and how they had failed before the Lord. And now the Lord comes, the Lord Jesus Christ, who had come into the world, and he makes this great claim, this wonderful declaration, and he says to his hearers, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. He declares, therefore, that he had come to accomplish that 
which they had failed to do. And he would bring forth fruit. He says, I am the true vine. That word true could also be translated perfect. I am the perfect vine. Oh, the Lord Jesus Christ would not fail in any way in his purpose. The Lord would not come short in any way whatsoever. And therefore, in contrast to Israel, the Savior is the true vine, and he is the perfect vine. And you can see something of the revelation of his person. This claim of Christ that is before us shows his perfection. It's showing to us his deity. It's showing to us his true person. It's revealing to us the attributes of the Savior. And the whole character of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the true vein. The true vein. Verse 1 goes on to say, And my father is the husbandman. Often when we make reference to this text of Scripture, we don't really uh, quote the second part of it, and we maybe don't uh, dwell upon the second part of it. But when the Savior said, I am the true vine, he said, my father is the husbandman. And the husbandman concerning the vine and the vineyard would be the keeper and the dresser of the vineyard. He would be looking after there the vine and the vineyard. The husbandman would be fulfilling his plan concerning the vine in order that it would bring forth fruit. The vine, if you like, was in his hand. The teaching is here that you have God the Father and you have God the Son. And God the Father is the great husbandman. And God the Son, as the true vine, is the one who came in submission to the Father. And he came into this world in order to fulfill the plan of the Father, in order to fulfill the plan of salvation. And God the Son must be seen here in this claim to be in total obedience and in total submission to the Father's will. And the Father and Son together fulfilling the plan of salvation. And so in that claim of Christ, we must see something of the Lord's person. The Lord's person. But secondly, we have to notice the Lord's people. Especially with verse 5. The Lord, in repeating this claim, he said, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. Ye are the branches. And he's referring to his people. He's referring to every saved soul, to every believer. And here we're referring again to that union between Christ and his people. And you think of the branch in relation to the vine. It speaks of our position in Christ. And the branch just abides there in the vein. The branch just rests there in the vein. And there's the believer. We have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through salvation. We're united to him and we're to rest and we're to abide in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
The branches exist because of the vine. The very source of life for that branch, it comes from the vine. The branch will draw all its necessary nutrients and all of its supply from the vine. The branch will be sustained as it abides there in the vine. The vine and the branch, they they are there together as one. What a picture that is of Christ and his people. And what a privilege it is for every redeemed soul today to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me. He that abideth in me and I in him. The word abide there in our English Bible, it appears nine times in this portion of Scripture. And that word abide, just describing there God's people in Christ. And that word abide would have the thought of a command. It is given as a command in verse 4. The Lord said, abide in me and I in you. And we are commanded there to exercise that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to rest in the Savior and to depend totally upon him. A command for God's people to abide in Christ. You think of those words in verse 4, abide in me, in me. Those words are repeated in verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me. And the importance of being in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to ensure that we have exercised that faith. We have accepted Christ as our Savior. And we are abiding in him. That we are united to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at verse 6 by way of contrast. If a man abide not in me. Here's one who's outside of Christ. It says he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. And we see in this portion of scripture the difference of being in Christ and not being in Christ. And the need there to abide in the Savior. That's the command. But that word abide concerning God's people also speaks to us about communion. Surely it's that closeness to the Lord as we're abiding in the Savior. Just abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. And as the soul abides in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's the words of the Savior, his blessed word. And we're to take in that word just the way the branch uh, takes in all of those nutrients that's fed through the vine. So the, the believer in Christ, we take in the food of God's precious word. and We might be strengthened. The branch in the vine is to grow. The branch in the vine is to flourish. 
And therefore, for the believer, if we're going to grow in grace, if we're going to flourish and blossom for the Lord, then we need to feed upon his word and we need to abide in communion and in fellowship with the Lord. So the word abide is associated here with a command and with communion, but with continuation. Because the word abide... It means to dwell or to remain or to continue. And while I said the word abide in its various forms appears there nine times in our English Bible, in the original language of the New Testament, it appears on more occasions in this portion. If you were to look there at chapter 15 and the verse 9, it says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, Continue ye in my love. That word continue is the same word that's also translated abide. And so we could read it, abide ye in my love. But the translators of our authorized version have put in continue to show us the scope of meaning of that word abide. And if we're abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're continuing. We're continuing on. If you look at this chapter in the verse 16, it says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And that word remain there is the same word as abide and continue. And so again, it shows us something of uh, the range of meaning here. To abide in the Lord Jesus Christ is to to remain there, to continue there, to dwell there. And the spiritual life of the believer depends upon our abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was a mark of the New Testament church that they would continue. In Acts 2, you'll read about the the converts there who continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. You can see something of this relationship and this union between the Lord and his people. And as verse 5 goes on there, the end of the verse it says, For without me ye can do nothing. There's the need to abide in Christ. For without him, we can do absolutely nothing. So we've thought here about the Lord's person. I am the true vine. About the Lord's people, ye are the branches. But thirdly, the Lord's promise. And verse 5 there says, He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. The Lord is the true vine. He promises to bring forth fruit. And the whole purpose in the work of Christ and his incarnation was to bear fruit. And the whole purpose here that he speaks about in John 15 when he says, I am the true vine, it is to the fact that he will fulfill his purpose and he will bring forth fruit. You can see from verse 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. 
And so the emphasis is upon bearing fruit. Verse 2 speaks about bearing fruit, and it speaks about more fruit. And then you can see in the verse 5, it speaks about bringing forth much fruit. And so the emphasis is here on bearing fruit. And every soul, every soul that gets saved, every soul that comes to faith in Christ, there's the fruit. The fruit of the Lord's great work when he suffered and bled and died upon the tree. It was to to bring forth that fruit of precious souls and therefore fulfilling that great plan of salvation. The Lord fulfills that promise. He did not shed his blood in vain, but souls will be saved. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And every time we hear of souls being saved, it's a time of spiritual reaping. It's a harvest. It's the bearing of fruit. The new birth, the new life, there is fruit unto the Lord. But the idea of fruit goes even further. It's in the lives of God's people. As we are saved, yes, that's fruit. And every soul that gets saved, that's, that's more fruit. And we long to see much fruit, a great harvest of souls. But there is to be fruit every day in the life of the believer. And some time ago, we spoke on Galatians 5, where it lists there uh, the ninefold fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember? The fruit of the Spirit, which is love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's the fruit, the fruit that the Lord is going to bring forth in his people. The Lord himself who is holy, the Lord himself who is righteous, and if we're abiding in the vine, then we will reflect the holiness and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in James that little epistle of James and the chapter 3. James writes in chapter 3 and the verse 18, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The fruit of righteousness. The corrupt tree will bring forth corrupt fruit. But the one who is abiding in the true vine they will bring forth the fruit of righteousness to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's something of the promise of the Lord here in our passage of Scripture. But that promise of the Lord goes even further. In our Bible reading, we referred to chapter 15 and the verse 7, but the latter part of that verse says, "'Ye shall ask what ye will.'" And it shall be done unto you. And the Lord promises to answer prayer, to answer the prayers of his people. As we looked on Tuesday night past at uh, Psalm 5 and the verse 3, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. My voice shalt thou hear. The Lord promises to answer the prayers of his people. 
We referred to verse 16, but we only went halfway through that verse. But the latter half says that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. The promise of the Lord to answer the prayers of his people. John 15 and the verse 26, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the blessed Comforter. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And you can see in this chapter that it is before us today, the one who is the true vine. And souls who are saved coming to abide in the vine and bringing forth that fruit to the glory of God and being in fellowship and communion with the Lord and the Lord being pleased to answer the cries of his children and the Lord granting the power of the Holy Spirit of God in our witness for the Savior. We'll see today, see the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in these Wonderful claims that he makes through the gospel of John. I am the true vine. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this morning.